Yeah, I just thank you, Lord, for, for Easter, uh, Resurrection Day. Uh, you know, in the past, I was really never really good at doing uh, special messages, you know, like holiday match, like Easter or Christmas. Oh, I'm like, oh, I can't stand those days because I don't really like that to try to come up with a message. But, you know, that we're just in a different time, and God has just given such a grace, man. In fact, I came up with three different messages Easily, I mean, this just dropped into me when I was asking the Lord about it. And then I decided I'd do one. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that one. Then I decided I'd do the second one. No, I'm going to do the third one. No, nope. I went back to the second one. <laughs> Marlon didn't know. He mentioned uh, uh, the road to Emmaus uh, earlier when he talked about the burning hearts. He didn't know that's really uh, what I wanted to talk a little bit to you about this morning. Um, it's out of Luke 24. And that actually um, happened, the road to Emmaus happened on uh, the first Easter. It was the first, on the first resurrection day. Uh, that's when this amazing, amazing story happened. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to do communion at the end because really what I'm talking about to you ultimately is about, about this table, about this meal that we're going to partake. Um, and so we normally do it, you know, in the middle of worship, but I wanted to wait, um, because I wanted to ask the Holy Spirit to do something for you this morning when we do communion, um, so, amen? All righty, I'm glad y'all are so excited. <laughs> so, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background here. Um, this story in Luke 24, um, it's very spe- it's a very special story. Uh, it's been particularly something special in my own life, uh, where God has spoken to me a lot out of this story over the years. And there was a time in my life where I sp- I uh, spent a lot of time in that story, uh, particularly because it was. A time, you know, with the two people, the two uh, Cleopas, I think, is one of them's name, and, and they didn't. The other person's unnamed. Some people think it's it's a guy, a friend. Or some people actually think it may be his wife. I don't. We don't know that. But they were uh, in a fix, okay, because the the Jesus that they thought they knew didn't turn out the way they thought he was going to turn out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I think you, most of you do. You, most of you uh, have this thing where it's the Jesus I never knew. Uh, and that's what they were experiencing, the Jesus I never knew. That's been a big theme in my entire Christian life because there's, God is so amazingly big and huge uh, that he gave us a Bible that is un, it, it's just we can't exhaust it. You know what I'm telling you? And that's just a, a piece of what God's given us. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is beyond measure, all to help us discover God and discover who He is and what He's like. And I believe we'll spend a lifetime uh, on earth, and then even when we get to heaven, it, the, the Bible says the increase of His government has no end. There will be, uh, it will be unending uh, our discovery of God, that's how big he is. And I, I know we can't get our minds around that. But I, I pray that all of us would have this hunger 
in our hearts to know something beyond what we know. To know Him in a way that we've never known Him. To discover things about God and about, about His Spirit and about the, His preciousness and about the kingdom that, that we don't know today. Because we don't know what we don't know, right? And there's so much more to Him. There's so much more to God than we realize. And I think sometimes we settle, and that's what religion is. Religion is settling. Settling for what you do know. And, in, and just embracing that. And then one day you find out what you knew was just a partial picture. And a very uh, not so accurate picture. And so that's why this story. And so many times when, and oh, by the way, we're praying for your daddy. I talked to your daddy. Dave Summers had a, a, a mild heart attack. Uh, what, when was it? Friday night. And uh, I talked to him yesterday and he had a rough day, but he's going to be all right. I think he's going home today, right? Yeah, so praise God. Lord, we just thank you for David and... Lord, I, I was feeling about David Summers yesterday that he's a faithful man, that he really is a faithful man. And I just pray that that's you, Lord, because you're the most faithful one. So I just bless him today, and I bless him with healing. And what the enemy meant for evil is going to be turned for good, and I believe he's going to have some many years of good health in front of him. We just declare that over him in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, anyways, back to Road to Emmaus. The Lord's beautiful. So, here's the story. They, Jesus was crucified. These men, these two people, decided to leave Jerusalem. And they were going to, to uh, Emmaus, which was a town that was seven miles away. And so they left Jerusalem to take this seven-mile walk. Uh, and let me just read this. It starts in verse 13. I'm not going to read the whole story to you for the sake of time. In fact, I spent just 10 minutes just going on. I'm sorry. Woo, Jesus, help me. Because I said, I'm getting done early today. I still am. Uh, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. Talking about the crucifixion of Christ. The death of Christ. And not yet understanding that he was risen, but there was rumors floating around. Uh, so while they conversed and reasoned, everybody say reasoned. One of the problems with Christianity is we're too much into the realm of reason. Oh, uh, Shane said it well. You gotta, it starts here. This catches up. Uh, I think most of you know this. Uh, if you don't, guess what? You should, you should begin to know it. The mind is a beautiful servant, but a terrible master. Our heart, our spirit man, who we are on the inside, here's your master. Follow this. Don't follow this. This will, Let this submit. Let this serve you. Reason is beautiful. Reason is amazing. But it's terrible when it begins to control your life. And so here they were reasoning and going through this thing, trying to figure out what happened. They'd spent years with this man, Christ, who was declaring himself to be something, to be the Savior, to be the King, to be God. He even said that. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was declaring something. And now, God is dead. If He was God, certainly He couldn't be dead, correct? Nobody could kill God, but yet this guy who claimed to be God is dead. In their mind, they're thinking this. Actually, some of you may, not, may know this, but there were, in Jesus' uh, time, there were 18 people who claimed to be the Messiah. Every one of them were crucified. 
or murdered in some way. Every one of them are taken out. So you can imagine their mind like he's just another statistic. He's number 19. But he did all these great things. How could he be number 19? See, there was this whole thing going on in their hearts at that moment. Put yourself in their shoes. We've been in that place. You've, many of you have been in a place when you have been crushed. Where God, you felt God let you down or God didn't do what you believed he was going to do. You know what I'm talking about. That's why this story is meaningful. It's when you walk in those places. You have all these feelings. You have all these thoughts. They're reasonable. In fact, it's good to voice them. It's good to have this conversation that they were having. That was a... That was needed. That was healthy. In fact, what happens is Jesus enters into the conversation with him and begins to converse with them and begins to talk to them. It says uh, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But listen, their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. Say that, restrained. They didn't know him. They didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't realize that the person that they had put all their hope to sin and all their hopes were crushed, was suddenly right there with them. But they didn't recognize him being there. Isn't that our plight many times? We don't recognize when God shows up in some unusual way in our life. We were looking for him in some other way. We were looking for him to be a certain way. We were looking for him to act a certain way. Right? Are y'all, am I the only person in this room who falls prey to this? We walk years, we walk years in these places where we felt... It, we felt God was leading us a certain way and being a certain way and things were going to be, we're, this was going to happen, that was going to happen. We've had these dreams, we had these visions, all these things we believed that were going to happen and then we watched them crumble, not just because they didn't work out, but we watched them be destroyed before our very eyes and our hearts broken. That's a hard place to be and that's where they were at. And many of you have done that. Many of you have walked there. That's why this is such a beautiful story in the Bible. And by the way, it's the only one of the Gospels who really give us detail. Mark alludes to it. He alludes to this. But Luke's the one who... Because Luke, the beloved physician, Luke, the man who brought out the man... If you read Luke, guess what's in Luke a lot? Women, children, the plot of man. He was, he was that kind of guy. He felt that stuff. He entered into that stuff. And told us more about that stuff. Are y'all good? So, um, let me say, there was this song we used to sing. uh, Be Magnified. Some of you might remember that song. Oh Lord, I have made you too small in my eyes. That's one of the signs. Be Magnified, Lord. That was a beautiful song. I think we're all can relate to making the Lord too small in our eyes. This is what they had experienced. They were making the Lord something he wasn't. It was making the Lord. You see, uh, being magnified actually means to make bigger, right? Uh, Magnifying glass. Uh, We can make God bigger or smaller in our mind, in our thoughts, okay? I believe we've made God smaller. I think that's the tragedy of the church, if we had one tragic thing, is that we've made God smaller than He is. We've made Him something less. And not, we've not been able to see, we've not been able to fulfill that, the words of that song, is Lord, be magnified. Let me see you for who you really are. Not for what my little brain says you are. That's, a, that's tragic. 
I think we're all going to be stunned when we get to heaven. And when we really face Him, I think we're going to be absolutely shocked. I think we're going to be broken. You know, it says He'll wipe away our tears there. I think some of our tears is not going to be what regrets about earth. It's regrets. Oh, Lord, I didn't know you were like this. I didn't know you were just amazing, just beautiful. Our words betray us. Anyways, the truth is, truthfully, we can't, you know, God is who He is, right? We can't, we don't literally make God anything. He's going to be what He is, but our perception of Him, what we think is big. Because it affects our belief system, and our belief system rules our life. And so when we make God something He's not, or make Him something less, and don't give Him the opportunity to be something greater in our life, something more in our life, we've limited not God, we've limited ourselves. We've cut ourselves off. We've cut ourselves off of much of what He has for us. We really have. I know we have because I lived, I've lived a life of, of, of finding out things about God and realizing I had been limited before that because I, I didn't believe exactly right. Anyways, God, thank you, Lord. Lord, help, right? Okay, I wanted to read this thing. I... I'm sorry that Don Casper's not here today because uh, this is something he wrote me. Back years ago, this is like mm, seven more years. This is back when I was really, I actually preached a lot out of this Road to Emmaus thing. Uh, but I wrote this one of my Dear People articles that some of you read about the Emmaus Road. And this is something Don Casperson wrote back to me, uh, which has been really just precious in my life. And I have kept this thing and have thought about it. A lot in my life. I thought it's really, it was really impacting to me. So I want to encourage you. Stuff that you might say to people can go a long ways in their life. It really can. This has went a long ways in my life. I, I lost it at one point and was, was sorrowful that I'd lost it and then I rediscovered it. But he said, I just read, I just read your Road to Emmaus story. And it occurred to me that the two men, this is the two men walking with Jesus, saw Jesus as a stranger. Because he had always been a stranger to them. They didn't know he was a stranger, but he had always been a stranger to them. They followed him, but they never really understood him or understood who he really was. Isn't that powerful? So it is with the church today. It too needs an Emmaus Road experience. Perhaps this is what he is doing with us, and that is why it's so hard to let go of this story. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful word, y'all. I believe it's a true word from the Lord. When, he, when I read I thought, wow, that, that really says it to me. That's why I can't let go of it. Because, because I'm just like them. In many ways, God's a stranger to me. And I have this thing in me that wants something beyond that. I don't want to live with a stranger. I don't want to get in bed with a stranger. Right? You know, I want to know the person I'm intimate with. And I want to know this God in a deeper level than I know Him because I feel like I don't. I feel my eyes have been restrained when it comes to Him so much in my life. And there's this thing in me that just like, God, I know there's more to you. Not more to what I do in my life, but more to you. And I want to know that more. I want you to reveal yourself to me. It's a powerful force that can get in you when you begin, when that be- grabs your heart. So, okay. So, I'm going to tell you a few things just so I can get done here. 
So uh, they have this walk. He walks with them. And he begin. and the first thing he says, hey, what are you talking about and why are you sad? I mean, you know, uh, that's good. That's a good question. Sometimes, I mean, we need to process our grief. We need to talk about it. Who better to talk about it to than Jesus himself? Who better to talk to about your disappointment with God and what God hasn't done for you than him? What better person is to express that to your disappointment, your anger, whatever it may be? What better person than to say that to than God? He's the person. I think sometimes we feel like we can't tell God how we really feel because we're afraid of saying something bad, like he can't take bad. You know? It's a good thing, I think, to have your conversations with God. You're hurting conversations. How you feel like, I thought you were going to do this for me, and I don't know why you haven't. And it makes me really upset that you didn't, whatever it may be. Because he can take it. My only advice to you is just don't be disrespectful to the Lord. Because he doesn't deserve disrespect. He deserves respect and honor. But I'll tell you something. If, if I've hurt my kids, I want them to talk to me about it. I really do. I want them to come tell me, Dad, you hurt me. You disappointed me, Dad. I want there to be some kind of communication that happens. I don't want to just live my life acting. You know? Amen. So, so they, that's how he started. And they said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that haven't heard of the things that have happened? And he said, what things? Well, about this person, Jesus Christ, a prophet, mighty in word and deed. And we were believing that he was the Messiah, yet... You know, it didn't work out, him to be the Messiah. But we've heard these rumors, too. We've heard some, some, some women, some other people from our group, claims he's alive. We're just confused. We're just confused. We don't know what's really going on with this guy. We don't really believe all this for sure. We're, we just don't know. We don't know what's happening, so we're getting out of town. We're getting away from all that. We're just going back to, to a mess. A lot of times people do that, right? So, so they, that's what went, and then Jesus, it says in the story that he began all the way back to the very beginning and explained from the scriptures who Christ was, who himself was. He explained himself, don't you wish, why didn't y'all let us have that teaching? <laughs> why didn't y'all record that? Somebody, why have you failed to record that? I'm sure when we get to heaven, it'll be recorded. Oh, wow, that's what he told them. I wish I'd have known that. When I first got saved, why didn't somebody tell me all that? So he went all the way through and ta- even talked about the, why, he had to, why the Christ had to be crucified. Explained all that to him. Let him know, hey, this is what's really going on, guys. Now, at the time, they didn't know who was talking to him. It was, it was a stranger still. Well, I guess this is some stranger that's got a really good gift of teaching. And I don't know where he got all this revelation from, but this is good what he's saying. I'm sort of liking it. Anyways... They got close to, to the village, to Emmaus, where they were going. It says in verse 28, I'm picking up and reading again. I, I just told you all that other. Uh, and he indicated that he would have gone further. In other words, he indicated like, okay, we'll see you boys. Y'all have fun. Don't you think that's interesting? About it? He's, known, he's been known to do that already in the Bible. Remember when they were in the boat? 
and the storm was, and they thought a daggone ghost has come walking on the water, and then they realized it's him, and he just said, yeah, it's me, and he just kept going. Y'all remember that? Oh, no, don't keep going. We, like, kind of need you here. Don't you think that's how God is sometimes? Don't you think that's a big deal? I think God wants to be invited into our lives. I think he was like, hey, no, no, don't keep going. you got to go with us. Uh-uh, no. If, if, you know, if you're not, Moses said it well. If you're not going, we're out. Don't you love Moses' heart? He got it. Lord, if you ain't going, I'm not going. Now, don't be sending an angel. That's what he told the Lord when the Lord said, I'm going to send this angel to go into the promised land. I'm going to stay back. Y'all go ahead. And Moses said, well, if you're not going, I'm not going, period. Don't send your angel. Forget your angel. I don't need your angel. I need you. Right? That's what's Moses' heart. I don't care. An angel's great, but they ain't you. I'm not trading you for an angel, God. Either you go or period, we're not going. I'm not doing it. And flat God wanted to hear that. Sometimes we need to get like that with God. And like, God, I'm not, if you're calling me to do this, if you're not going in there and doing it, just forget it because I'm staying at home. I'm watching golf this afternoon. You do what you want to, but I am not going unless you're promising me you're going to walk every step with me into this thing. And that's how God wants us because He wants to walk every step with us. But he wants to know that you know that, that you need to know that. You need to know what you really want in life, okay? Some of us want stuff that's not going to really help us. And I think we're going to get down to the place where we're going to say to Jesus, we really want you. And then whatever else comes along will be great. But if we ain't got you, we don't want the other. So, amen. And he says, they said, abide with us for uh, it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Isn't that beautiful that the Lord did that? And so uh, then the next verse says, verse 30, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. That's uh, where we're, what I really wanted to talk to you. All the other stuff was just stuff, right? It's good stuff. It's amazing stuff. But this is really what I wanted to talk to you about. It's about this meal that they were going to take. Because uh, I've, I've discovered about meals, uh, there's like two meals, in, you know, the two trees in the garden, right? Y'all know about those two trees, one's the knowledge of good and evil, and one's the tree of life. Uh, and so those two trees actually can represent two meals, okay? Uh, there's two meals in the Bible. There was the meal of death, and there is the meal of life. Okay, and so here we had the beginning of this, uh, the first meal, the meal of life that he's fixing to have. He had not yet had a meal with anybody in his resurrected state. He had not yet done, uh, sit down, let's have a, a supper together. Okay, so this is the new creation meal, okay, that he's having right now. This is the first time since Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, he has a meal with somebody. Don't you think that might be kind of important in the Bible? Don't you think that might be something that we need to like get a hold of uh, that makes this meal a lot more significant than we've made it? Anyways, hold on now. Yes, yes, whoever said that. Thank you. I'm going to do this. 
I want to read the first meal. I'm going to jump over out of this story for a minute and read this first meal. It's Genesis 3, 6 through 7. This is the first recorded meal in the Bible. Perhaps, perhaps Adam and Eve had another meal, but it wasn't worth talking about. It was just a regular meal maybe, like I'm hungry. What's in the refrigerator kind of meal. But, so that wasn't worth talking about. Here's a meal though. Here's a meal that destroyed people. Here's a meal that brought cancer into the world. Here's a meal that has destroyed babies. That's what that meal was. And that's why God wanted it in here. Because he didn't like that meal. And he warned them, don't eat that meal. Don't eat it. He told them right up front, you don't eat that meal because it will destroy you. And if it destroys you, it will destroy everybody that comes out of you. From here on, it's going to destroy everybody until I have to come out here and get and fix this thing. Have to get to, right? So when the woman saw that the tree was good, uh, this is Genesis 3. This is Easter, man. This is really Easter. The tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. This is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a tree desirable. Desirable, good, desirable, good to eat, good, good to eat. It looked good, it smelled good, it's going to taste good. There's this thing in me that wants this. I have this desire for it, it's motivating. You know, think about it. Think about what they had. Think about what they had up to that point. They had perfection. They had walking with God. They had direct face-to-face communion with God. Yet this, they saw something else that was also desirable, that also looked good. Okay? Y'all hear me? They had, they didn't have to see by faith. They saw with their natural eyes God. They saw His beauty. They saw His, they heard His voice. They felt His presence. They, they had it. They had it all. That's why we always tell parents who kids go astray, don't worry. God had a perfect world. He, he was a perfect parent. His kids had all this, but then they went astray. So you're not better than God. <laughs> we say that to comfort ourselves, right? Because <laughs> our kids are going astray and we're so broken hard, we've got to help get through that moment. Anyways, so... They took it, it's fruit, and ate. Uh, she took it. And she also gave it to her husband with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings because they were full of shame. And they were full of guilt. They were full of God condemnation. All of a sudden, they knew stuff they never knew existed. But it wasn't good. It was painful. It was sorrowful. It was hateful. That's really what it was. It was poison. They ate poison. And their souls were poison. And it opened all this stuff up to them. And they were at that moment, you know, they were like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? You know they regretted it. You know that that, that moment, oh, we've messed up, and we've got to cover ourselves, and we've got to get away. Because when God sees us, what is this going to happen? He's going to, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And so every sense 
mankind has thought God was a bad God. And ever since, man has been running from God, hiding in, in the bushes, trying to make sure God didn't see him because they were scared for God to see him. You know? And so here's Jesus back over here now. That's the first meal. That's the terrible meal that you and I ate because our forefather and foremother ate. And when they ate, we ate. Even though we didn't physically do it, even though we weren't the ones who agreed to it, but we did in them. And so when we were born, we were born with that in us. We were born with the with the thing in us that wants to fear, the thing that in us that wants to run and hide, the thing, that insecurity, that shame feeling. Y'all know it. Everybody knows it. We all, we're all born into that. That's what the world system operates on. It's, all, it's, it's just flowing in the atmosphere. Fear, insecurity, shame, guilt, all those things. This is taking a lot longer than I meant for it, too. I'm sorry. It really is. This is going to be a short message, Yes. Okay, so here's Jesus back here. Uh, at, it came to pass back in Luke 24, verse 8, it came to pass, set the table with them, that he took the bread and blessed it. He blessed it. See, he did something at that moment. He did something with the natural bread. He did something that only he could do. He was breaking something at that moment. He was breaking the power of that curse that came into mankind. He was breaking it because he took it and he blessed it. And when he blesses something, nothing can curse it. Nothing can have power over what he blesses. That's what he was doing. Y'all, he was turning the tables. That's what this communion, that's why we're celebrating it. It's just not we're going through this little cool thing that the church does, this little ritual It's not just a little ritual that Jesus wanted us to do. No, he was saying there's some power in this. And when you begin to see the power, you're breaking something. You're breaking something over your life. You're breaking something over your family. You're breaking that curse that was brought on you. And you're going to break it because I broke it. And I want you to partake of what I've done. And when you begin to partake of what I've done and begin to believe that and begin to embrace that in your life, then you can begin to release that to other people. There's a war against it to this day. There's a war against all this. Religion has taken over this. Rightfully so. I mean, if I was religion, yep, we're taking over that one. Because if they really find out about that one, it's going to be bad for us. It's going to be bad. When people find out what this is about, it's going to be really bad. Okay, i got to hurry. Woo! I had a few other things, but uh -uh. I'm not going to do that. Here's the thing. When Adam and Eve ate that, their eyes were open to something. Okay? Their eyes were open to something. Okay, and it says their eyes were open and they knew. They knew. They knew something. Okay, when Cleopas and this friend, when they ate, listen to what it says. Now, this is important. It says their eyes were open and they knew. You see that? Genesis 3 says their eye, the eyes 
Uh, both of them were open, and they knew. They knew they were naked. They knew information they did not, they should have never known. They knew. And so here's Jesus saying, they knew something. But here's something I'm going to do. I'm going to open some eyes. And you're going to know something else. You're going to know what you were meant to know. You're going to know what you were created to know. You're going to know what's in you that hungers to know. It says, it says, their eyes were open and they knew him. It says they knew him. Suddenly the stranger, they saw him. They knew him. Their eyes were opened. The story began, their eyes were restrained. And now they've had this encounter. They've had this, this meal. They've had the meal that heals. They had the meal that restores. They had the meal that breaks that thing that was restraining them from seeing and knowing something. It's been broken off in them. And uh, he vanished from their sight. Now, that, I thought, oh, gosh, why did you do that? Why? Why did you have to do that? Why didn't you just stay there with them and take them? Why didn't you do that, Lord? Why does it have to be this invisible? Why do you have to introduce faith into this equation? Because that's what he did. See, that's the one difference between Adam and Eve and us before their fall. Everything was there. But now it's a life of faith. So we begin to see by faith. We begin to live by faith. But you know what the amazing thing is? It was his faith. He gives it to us. We don't have to conjure up this. We don't have to work this up. He delivers faith to our hearts to see, to see the invisible, to see a man who's vanished. And you know what happened next? You know, they said a couple things. They take off, okay, and head back to Jerusalem. Seven more miles. These are tough guys. They've been walked 14 miles in one day. And that sounds kind of rough, right? I'm tired. <laughs> you know, that's how I think. Mm, I don't want to walk back. No, they went back and told their buddies, Hey! We've seen him. We've seen the Lord. He's risen, right? He's risen indeed. And then guess what happened? Jesus appears in the midst of me. What did they do? No! <laughs> Read it. They were scared. You don't think you wouldn't be scared? <laughs> they were scared. Isn't it funny? Isn't this a funny thought? Adam and Eve were afraid. They were afraid after they ate. These guys were afraid too. But it was a different kind of fear. See, that old fear, that old nasty fear, that old ugly fear, gone. But there is a fear of God, a beautiful fear of God. And that's what we, man, Lord, help us. I don't even want to get off on that topic, but I've got to stop here. It says uh, back here in verse 31, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were open. See, I think that's what I want to say. That's, what, that's why I want to do communion today at the end. Because I want my eyes opened and to see him like I've not seen him. That's what I want for my life. That's my dream for my life is to see God in a way I've never seen him. And begin to know him in that way. Because the way God reveals himself is the way he wants you to know him. That's the, really the truth. You, it's all through the Bible. The way he reveals himself is the way he wants you to know him. 
And however he's revealing himself at that moment, our job is to say, yay, not seen this before. Not thought about this before. Not ever known God like this before. This is odd. This is different. But I'm in. I'm in. I might, you'll, you'll help me with my understanding of it. You know, in that, are y'all in on that? Yeah. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry for you. Wait till the Holy Ghost comes and offends the fire out of you. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, that can't be God. Nobody. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's kind of how it works in the natural, right? Well, let me finish here. Um, dinner, this is what Marlon quoted. And they said to one another, Did not our heart, hearts burn, burn within us, burn within us, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? That's the dream. See, that's where faith, see, faith was working. When he was speaking to her, faith comes by hearing. See, what was happening without even them knowing it and without even us knowing it, God will begin to speak to us. And we're not always in touch with us, with what he's saying. It's, it's like God's talking in a different way. See, lots of times you feel like God's not talking to you, right? How many people feel that? You'll go through season where you're getting all kinds of beautiful revelation and thoughts and God's talking and you're, you're just flowing like a, like a river, you're on top of the world spiritually, man, because you've got God dialed in, and He's dialed into you. And then all of a sudden, one day, He just stops talking. And but the truth is, He didn't stop. He just said, "I'm just going to reveal myself in a little bit different way." Because Byron, haven't you been asking me for that for years? You want another different me, and now the different me is showing up, and you're like, "Why ain't God speaking to me? I'm doing what you asked me to do, son." Just work with me on it and you'll figure it out. We'll work it out together. And you'll begin to hear on a different level than you ever heard before. And so when God gets, you think God's silent in your life, I believe He's not silent. I believe He's just trying to draw you into something deeper and closer and for you to hear Him in a different way. That's, that's the story of my life mostly. I said mostly because maybe, you know, their hearts burn within them while you open the Scriptures to, to, to them. That's beautiful. And so, let's think about it for a minute. We're going to do communion. Now, that's why I want to do communion at the end here. Even though Becky forgot, I told her, like, hey, we're doing communion at the end, Becky. And she told Marlon to go ahead and do it and made Marlon feel bad. <laughs> Are y'all going to do work, uh, music? Why don't y'all come back up here? We're going to do communion. But what I'm asking the Lord, I want to do something, Lord, that's going to make a difference in our hearts, Lord. I want people's heart to see you in a different way today so we can know you deeper, Lord. I'm sorry I'm emotional, but I am. You know what I was thinking? Oh, I don't want to preach on Sunday. And you know what the Lord said? How many more Easter's are you going to get to preach, buddy? <laughs> I don't know. This might be my last one, Lord. I said, I should be wanting to do this, right? Is that what you're telling me to stop thinking that way? <laughs> but I really am asking Jesus to do for us what he did for them. Yo le estoy pidiendo al Señor que haga conmigo lo que hizo para estos discípulos. I believe he's already given us the eyes 
to see. Yo creo que él nos ha dado los ojos para ver. I believe those eyes have already, I think the Bible is clear. La Biblia es clara. That our, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, los ojos de nuestro corazón, de nuestro entendimiento, have already been opened. Ya han sido abiertos. But they haven't always been enlightened. Pero no han sido siempre, eh, eh, that word, iluminados. Thank you. Yeah, come on. Now here you go. The Argentine is having to have a, a gringo yeah. to tell him what something means. Now that's yeah. something. Yeah. That's really something Easy. good. <laughs> but. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. Pablo oró en Efesios 1. Not that our eyes would be opened. No que nuestros ojos no sean abiertos. But they would be enlightened. Pero que ellos sean iluminados. It's like we walk into a dark room. Es como entrar en un cuarto oscuro. And you can't see in the dark room. Y no puedes ver en ese cuarto oscuro. He was praying somebody turn the light on. Y él estaba diciendo alguien prenda esa luz. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is what el, turns that light on. El espíritu de sabiduría y revelación es lo que prende esa luz. Because it washes over your heart. Porque lava sobre tu corazón. And chases the darkness off your heart. Y echa fuera la oscuridad sobre tu corazón. Chases the shame off your heart. La vergüenza de tu corazón. The lies off your heart. Las mentiras que están en tu corazón. It takes the blood of Jesus and cleanses the heart from guilt. Toma la sangre de Jesús que nos limpia and so that's what brings enlightenment esto es lo que iluminar significa and so my prayer this morning mi oración en esta as mañana, we do this mientras tomamos comunión that we would be like those two es que seamos como esos dos we would see que podamos ver we would see the Lord like we've never seen him before ver al Señor como nunca lo hemos visto antes and over the next days ahead en los días que vienen and even today y aún hoy mismo that our hearts would get this burning passion que nuestro corazón tenga esta pasión que quema that we would want him que nosotros lo deseemos a él and that we would love him que lo amemos a él and that would be the thing in our life y esto sea lo principal en nuestra and vida and we would have a divine dissatisfaction on us y que tengamos como una desatisfacción divina that we wouldn't settle for where we're at que no nos vamos a rendir por lo que tenemos ahora now, I'm not talking about a human dissatisfaction no, that no, does no good no estoy hablando de una desatisfacción humana but something from the Holy Spirit Algo del Espíritu Santo that tells you que te dice that there's more to God hay mucho más de Dios than you've yet known. Que de lo que tú sabes de I pray él. that God would put that in you. Yo I pray it would just burn in you. Que tu corazón queme y arda. I pray it would just start motivating you que te motive. and cause you to do things que you wouldn't normally do. Hacer cosas like them guys got up and walked seven more Como miles. Como estos dos hombres discípulos volvieron once kilómetros para atrás. Well, they could have been real comfortable where they're at. No estaba, no quedaron cómodos donde estaban. Because their hearts were on fire. Porque su corazón estaba prendido. They had to get up and go. Al día tuvieron que levantarse. Because they knew something was happening. Porque sabían que algo estaba pasando. They knew God was going to do something. Sabían que Dios iba a hacer algo. Because the Holy Spirit was at work. Porque el Espíritu Santo estaba obrando. Y lo estaba motivando a ellos. And Lord, I pray that would happen today. Oro que esto pase hoy. As we receive this communion, mientras tomamos esta comunión, we receive the body of Jesus. Tomamos el cuerpo de Jesús. We would receive the meal. Recibimos esta comida. That restores us. Que nos restaura. And breaks the curses off of us. Y rompe la maldición de nosotros. And gives us access. Y nos da acceso. Into the kingdom of God. Al reino de Dios. And we can begin to receive the promises of God into our lives. Y podemos recibir las promesas de Dios en nuestras vidas. And the inheritance of the kingdom can become a reality for us. Puede ser una realidad. And we can begin to walk in these things that we hear about, that we read about. But there's this little thing in that says to us, "That's for you too." We'd start believing it. We'd start believing it. 
we'd start believing that little voice that's for you oh that is for me we begin, begin to lay hold of these things amen that's the prayer so we're going to do the deal where they said Vamos a hacer, tomar comunión. On the edge, okay. Thank you. Marlon does communion 90% of the time in this church. Come here, Marlon. Don't you love Marlon? Yeah, we love Marlon. Good job, Marlon. I'm sorry, Becky, left you out in the bank, buddy. <laughs> no, go up the sides. Vengan aquí a los costados. Come. Al otro costado, hermanos. I'm going to turn it over to Marlon. Yeah, we've done it many times, so if you're on the right, just... Fall out, this will be in the middle, just split up on either side. Jesus is coming. 